is up my fellow humans it is anthony marquez here or impact ranger aka i'm here with my buddy sammy former uh manager with me at impact gaming i hope you guys are having a great day great morning great afternoon wherever you are and welcome to the impact podcast yeah guys um like you said sammy worked with anything before impact gaming this is our second episode uh today what we'll be covering we'll be covering two topics but the first topic we're going to cover uh is battle royale esports particularly what we're going to do is we're going to go over uh we might know a little bit about that huh yeah we know a little bit about that with the h1 we'll, we'll get into that too as well uh but yeah we're going to be covering like our favorite battle royale as well as what we think which battle royale is in the best state as far as esports as a whole like which one is the best overall um, so Anthony, you want me to go, go in first, is that correct? Yep. You can go ahead and lead with your opinion on your favorite BR. Uh, okay. and you're definitely going to have to give me detail as to why, cause any little thing I'll pick apart here, Sam. I know. I know. I get it. I love me some BR. Yeah. So with, uh, with battle Royale, it's, it's definitely different because every, I think battle Royale has the most diverse, uh, like gambit or gamut of, of type of titles. Like you have shooters yep. who shooters you can always compare you know even something as drastic as like call of duty halo like fps's csgo like they all have the same core mechanics whereas as far as skill level and things like that whereas battle royale like every single battle royale is completely different even PUBG and h1 are completely different their pace is different everything so as far as favorite battle royale um i think me and anthony might be biased here but for me it's definitely h1 uh now i caveat that with at the height of H1, like not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but when H1 was at its height, that was my favorite BR. Okay, uh, so you're talking yeah. just so anybody who's listening and knows their H1Z1, you're talking mm-hmm. pre-combat update H1Z1. Yeah, correct? exactly. Yep. Back Got when it. we back when the player base was at its highest, like mid 2017 ish. Yeah, um, like 150,000. Yeah, 150,000. Still not that high, but I mean, at the time it was high because that was the only yeah, really the, BR at, on the yeah, market. At the, yeah, at the time, like this is pre Fortnite. This is pre PUBG like yeah it was that huge. was that was high for us mm-hmm. like we're like hey exactly um so that was my favorite just the I, I still feel this even now H1 I mean you can play H1 on PS4 right now I know it's terrible like it's like putting garbage out of someone's mouth but uh even H1 now in my opinion has the best pace of any BR like Fortnite to me is too it's like too fast and too slow like it's too fast in team fights you can't keep up because building is unbelievable and PUBG is like a little too slow, okay. whereas H one's like right in the middle. Okay, I gotta, um, I gotta ask because there are little ver- like different versions of pace when it comes to H one Z one. Yeah. So let's let's kind of say, let, let's break it into two easy groups here. So let's mm-hmm. say like the pace of play, like when we won Sweden and like the DreamHack events, yeah. that that like uh, the Elite series, and then let's break it up to the like the second which is H1PO where we ramped up pace up by a shit ton, you know? Yeah. So what pace do you like there, like, and why? Because the dynamic there is huge, and I can get into that, like, forever and how that affected, like, the play of the H1 Pro League. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it basically created two different games, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, from a competitor standpoint, I like the first one you talked about, like, the Sweden pace. Uh, it makes more sense. Like, scouting was more important. Um, overall, just the pace was better, but from a viewer standpoint, definitely like H1PL time frame probably is more like user friendly, uh, because like because pre the first one you're talking about is kind of how PUBG is now, where it's like all the action happens like the last 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like you still had 
three quarters of the teams left going into like the second to last gas ring. So, cause teams yeah, you, are so you, good at positioning. Yeah. And so, so mm-hmm. to give some like historic, I guess, uh, for, for people that don't know what the pace was like, it was essentially 45 minute games. And like the first 30 minutes was just like early mid game. And that was essentially just like dropping loot and <laughs> moving. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. Like fighting was very sporadic. It was like, boom, 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 and then disperse. Like, it wasn't engaged long fights, and you didn't fight until the gas forced you to. That was mm-hmm. kind of the meta back then. Yep, exactly. Um, and it it, it was it changed a lot once the H1PL came on. Uh, but, yeah, so overall for me, it's H1. I still like PUBG. Fortnite is a totally different story. I could literally go on a rant for that one. Um, but it's sad to see how H1 ended because I truly do think if it would have been supported properly and they would have had good foresight in how to manage it, even with Fortnite coming out, that it would have. I think it. I think it definitely would be above where PUBG is. PUBG is going and trending in the right direction, which we'll talk a little bit about here in a bit. But uh, yeah, for me, it's definitely H one. Yeah, so um, I'm a hundred percent, ten thousand percent biased here. H one Z one is the best <laughs> battle royale to ever exist. Like it just is. Um, if you had said anything think... different, I would have said you were calling. You were like making a meme just for like people in the podcast. Yeah, no, no, it's, I'm 100% biased. I think H1Z1, like, was fundamentally the best Battle Royale ever. And I think, like, one thing stands out to me more than anything is when you look at when H1Z1 died, look at those <coughs> players and look at what they did later on in, in other titles, right? Oh, yeah. And it just, like, shows you that, like, the core, like, fundamentals of rotations and understanding those and, like, scouting, like you said, in that early meta, mm-hmm. like, those players that grew up in that, it's like, like that's the br they understood that transitioned to any other thing they went to right and Mm -hmm. i would say in my opinion shooting like accuracy wise was hard as fuck on h1 like oh yeah the mechanic of two tapping like was insane and because you died so quickly and got punished for over peaking so quickly it caused every one of those players throughout the entire environment of the like the ecosystem of the esport to be just absolute sharpshooters every yeah, one of them exactly because if you weren't you were fucked you weren't going to get kills it's simple as that and you don't see that like i mean you have fucking bloom in fortnite like yeah i'm sorry but that it's very very different in terms of i think the amount of skill and precision you need in terms of just the aim just straight raw aiming ability and the core fundamental mechanics of br and that's why they, they transferred so well um and so to me like i think h1z1 i mean like everybody that knows h1 and its history understands it was developed god awful right like mm-hmm. daybreak destroyed it 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 did it just simply did yep. um it is probably the biggest game like blunder in terms of like its design and its <laughs> production mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. Like even going into the fucking league, having like a good connection with them, like we still had problems. Like it was just yeah. there was just so many problems on the development end of that game. It like was just doomed to fail, and like it, they just could not get their shit together. Like I don't think they did t- terrible, mm-hmm. like towards the end when they try to revert things. It was just like you did too little, too late at that point, you know. Yeah. Like, and... you can't like the the combat update. I could speak about for a long time. Like I I don't know, I don't know how you get a game and you have it trending and it's the first BR and it's the first thing that we're seeing explode and then you just say let's change everything. I I. I have absolutely no idea what rationale was used for that, mm-hmm. um, but it happened, you know, and it and it killed it. But I think like the the baby brother of H1 for me, at least number at number two, 
mm-hmm. it has to be PUBG. Like I think, I think at its core, PUBG to me, like, feels the most H one Z one. Yeah, that it, makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, I well, I think that points to the fact that PUBG learned a lot from H one Z one. I mean, it's. I mean, so they learn um, like what to do and what not to do when well, it comes to format. I, I'm, blan- yeah, I'm blanking on his name right now, the CEO creator of PUBG. But oh, I mean, yeah. he's he comes directly from Daybreak. He literally was like, this is a shit development company. I'm going to mm. go do my own thing with this BR idea. And I'm going to create an ecosystem in esports that's really going to long like last a long like a long time. And that's yep. what we're kind of seeing right now. I mean, it's um, it's been his like ideal from the start. You know, he was like. I'm going to make H1Z1, but like good. Yeah, That's what and, PUBG is. Yeah. And the article, I, me, and, me and Anthony were going over our, some notes before. And like the article that The Verge came out with in April, uh, just to like give people kind of a idea of what their, what PUBG's mind is, right? Is like, this is coming straight from the CEO is like, they're thinking long-term future. He said, quote, we're not thinking in months and years. We're thinking in five or 10 years, especially with esports. Esports takes years to set up correctly and to get all the various mechanics and systems in place. You have to have time to allow growth. So okay, obviously and, that's what they're they're going and for. And 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 here's some insight. We're we, this is December of 2019. Okay, yeah. I I talked to that. I talked to the PUBG CEO like when PUBG was first starting. When like the the idea of leagues were starting for PUBG, mm-hmm. that was the uh, that was the mentality from day one with PUBG. Like yep. it was never like <laughs> let's figure out how to do this now. It's like let's build a league that can sustain for a decade or two, like a mm-hmm. real traditional sport and like gradually snowball into something successful. Yep. So I think like, because of that PUBG is going to have a solid future um, because I know that that has been, you know, their mission from day one and they're sticking to it and, and it's working so far. Yeah. And just as you can see me and Anthony are slowly rolling into the second part of the first topic, which is like, what do we think is the best, uh, best, BR esport. Now, I wanted to I wanted to kind of like describe this a little bit differently because it all depends on what purview you're looking f- through. If you're looking through the purview of an organization, a company, or like a league, I think it's PUBG. Now, if you're looking through influencer, player, or anybody that's not business oriented, you're, it's 100% Fortnite. Like you can't argue it. Like for a player and for an influencer and for like just overall media, obviously Fortnite, they're putting a hundred million dollars a year for the second year in a row towards it. You know, people all over the world, like singers, like art, music artists, everyone's into it. So like you can't hit on Fortnite for that. Uh, especially like they had a highest concurrent player of 10.8 million. I think it was like unreal. Like to, concurrent. So, so to be completely honest, mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is how I feel about it. I feel like it is, almost unfair to to compare Fortnite with anything because it's like it's like hey let's compare this gold plated unicorn with the world you yeah. know yeah no, I know what you mean. <laughs> like like what Fortnite did um it's was bigger like, than esports it, and bigger than gaming basically is yeah the best way yeah to it, it. it transcended everything that we've seen in esports you know <laughs> the, yeah. the like that shit went huge, and I, I don't think anybody saw that. I, I definitely didn't. I thought, like, mm-hmm. Fortnite's going to be big. I thought it was going to be cool, and it was going to be dope, and, like, it had a chance. Like, to me, I remember early, early on, like, back when it first came out, before any esports for Fortnite existed, mm-hmm. like, I remember thinking, like, 
I think like H1Z1 is definitely dying. <laughs> I mean, I, I was hoping well, yeah. it wasn't, but yeah. I knew that we needed to look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I was not a fan of PUBG. I didn't even want to fucking touch PUBG. Um, but then when I saw Fortnite, I was like, okay, I think this could be like, like right here, like they'd be kind of there and there, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I thought PUBG was here, Fortnite could could be right there with it. I didn't think that it'd be like just this gap that would. Be no, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody foresaw but, that. But. If we're talking about Fortnite in terms of like a core battle royale, if we're just talking straight gameplay, let's forget like really quickly the numbers mm -hmm. and the viewership wise. It's okay. Yeah, no. I, I don't you... think that Fortnite is necessarily an amazing title. Like there's nothing in it that is crazy great in terms of a competitive battle royale. Yeah, no, but, I but, agree. And... But but also it's like in in terms of saying that I also understand like I'm I'm I'd be I would be incorrect to do it in that in that term like to um, compare Fortnite as a competitive BR because that's not what it was built for, right? It, yeah. It's kind of like what Call of Duty is doing, right? But mm -hmm. they're doing it amazing. So Call of Duty makes a a casual game and forces it to be competitive, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what happened with Fortnite. It was it was a relatively casual game in terms of its like development mm -hmm. early early on, and then it just kind of turned into an esport, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think. Epic just saw like here's the cash cow of like we're not even thinking about esports we don't give a crap but like I forgot what they they made like two hundred and some million dollars in a month I'm just trying to give reference and like it's like they're making this amazing yeah, it, amount I mean, of money and they're like all right cool I'll just drop a hundred million dollars for the year to have good PR good publicity start working with influencers like to them esports is just like it's almost like a department within their whole conglomerate of making money like they they're not yeah. doing it because. They're not like PUBG. I mean, PUBG we've never seen on it. We've so. never seen a game have this amount of. I mean, I, we. I mean, maybe Dota 2 League, but I don't know what other games. Like, I don't know. Like, what what is the difference here? Do you know, Sammy, of how much money Fortnite generates in skin sales compared to like League and Dota? I haven't looked at skin sales, but I know. I just know that they had their and they might they might have broken it since then. But their well, highest. Well, that's, that's that's. I mean, the skin sales isn't that like majority of that 200 million revenue yeah, that they're that's what i'm saying like month to month yeah it was like earlier she they made 234 million dollars in a month yeah. and for a game that's free to play obviously that means it's just cosmetics so like they're yeah. literally they almost tripled the amount of money they gave back to the esports prize pools in one month so to them it doesn't like they don't care like it's a drop in the bucket yeah, it's a drop I mean, in the it's, bucket it's a few drops but yeah <laughs> but i mean when you have like literally like last month the what's the I don't remember the the state, but the Sander is like talking about like what she's played on Fortnite. Like when you're getting yep. like that level of publicity and that level of like PR, like you're Fortnite's on a different level. So it, it's hard to compare them. That's why like I have a word doc of it right now of all like the numbers of highest concurrent average month. I'm not even bringing these up because it's not fair to bring it up. Yeah, like it's... the only the only thing I really want to bring up that I think it's is like... good. I think the only way to like logically kind of break and categorize here is like Fortnite you can talk about in its own kind of single thing like Fortnite's Fortnite and then everything else is esports cuz like when you mix it, it the numbers are staggering like it just blows everything out of the fucking water yeah. in ev like, in almost every single category possible I think Fortnite would would just stand alone cuz it's not like 
it doesn't restrict itself with the barriers of like the gaming community or the esports mm. community. Like you said, I think you said it perfectly in that like it transcends gaming and that it's like, I mean, when you have NFL players in the end zone doing Fortnite dances, like yeah, you exactly. know how much like I would be. I would love to see a statistic that showed the amount of free marketing that mm-hmm. Fortnite gets just from people talking about it without yep. being paid because it's just it has gone that viral, you know? Yeah, no, I uh, agree. And I, I, I can't even imagine how much free marketing they have gotten. I think that number would be like astronomically massive yeah like i I, like i'm a digital marketing advertising major i'm telling you right now like i would love to see like their marketing team because i guarantee you they they definitely work their asses off but i guarantee a lot of it's just like kicking your feet up and having fun because like at this point at this point they're they're i guarantee their conversations aren't what can we do better it's like you know what can we just change like what do we want to do like it's the question is like hey guys what do you want to do this month like what do you want to try because like they're already making so much money and like their department is so set, like they're good. They can literally yeah. just be like, "What do you want to do that we haven't done already?" So, but yeah, the one stat I did want to bring up that I think is relevant that points to how good PUBG is doing as far as like, as far as numbers and consistency is relevancy. Is obviously they're the number one sold game on Steam. Like it's not even close. They're yep. by far number one sold game on Steam. They still have like their most concurrent player base record was 1.3 million but they still have like 300 and some thousand concurrent players per month and for for being dominate or for Fortnite dominating the way it is and for them to still have that concurrent player base grand a lot of that is Asia Pacific region I get it but like it's still pretty good for the fact that they've had that kind of player base um yeah I I, I think I think what you just let me just highlight what you just said cuz I think that was super important and kind of a, a dope thing so you highlight really quick that like this we so we just took a lot of time and described this fucking juggernaut that is Fortnite, right? Yep. But you just highlighted specifically like for the other what that kind of meant for the other BRs, right? Mm-hmm. So uh like we know Apex Legends is around now. We know, you know, PUBG has survived. Yeah. But I think saying like PUBG has survived Let's give that some fucking significance because yeah. that took a lot of goddamn work. Like, I don't care if it if they had 1.3 million players and now it's down to 300,000. Hey, bravo for keeping your 300,000 because Fortnite came in and slaughtered the market, okay? Yeah. So I, I think, like, props to them for maintaining some sort of relevancy and some sort of, like, hope for the future and hope for growth in the future because – when you have a juggernaut like that come in and displace so much of the market and and take up so much land, like just grab like 95% of the land like that, mm-hmm. I think it's super tough to hold on to at least that 5%. And they've done that. And I think that they have a possibility to keep growing now. Yeah, and you mentioned Apex Legends. And I didn't bring Apex Legends into this because, in my opinion, they're so still new with esports. Like, I can't I, – honestly, I can't say it's, yes it's, or no. I know from a player standpoint, a lot of the players are really frustrated with the game, but – from a business standpoint, they are still way too new for me, at least, to like give them a yeah. solid yes or no. So, so I, I think I, I think I would follow suit in terms because of Apex's um, developer and their mm-hmm. development team has never ever ever been esports. Like yeah. they just haven't. So, in terms of business, I don't even think, like fuck business. I don't even think we're like in terms of like creating an esport game and ecosystem that is healthy and is going to create like a good amount of players that are going to like actually improve the skill level of the game and like just be healthy throughout time. Mm-hmm. I don't trust them to do that. Like 
Like, and that was Daybreak's problem, right? Is yep. you, they couldn't create the game itself and keep it steady over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I don't trust them to do that yet. So until that gets proven, yeah, then we can start talking about okay, how can they start to actually set up and give some infrastructure to their esport ecosystem and like mm-hmm. like in terms of tournaments or leagues or whatever they decide to do. Um, but I just I don't know. I, I don't trust Apex Legends yet long term at all. I think I think they're very young. I think it shows promise. I think the game's cool. I think it is Yeah, I enjoy playing it. It, adds, it, it. it adds a lot of dynamics to BR. Like when mm-hmm. I first played it, I the first thing I thought was like, yo, this shit's fast as hell. Like mm-hmm. these people are moving quick. Yeah. This is gonna be hard to aim. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought. Um so I I think it's cool the game, but I, I I think... How much how much land is Apex Legends gonna grab in the BR landscape yeah. in terms of e- competitive esports and competitive esports viewership? Mm. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't I either. It's way too early. And I think the two things personally. So this goes for every esport. I think if if one of the BR, if so, like let's let's say let's just say Apex, PUBG, and Fortnite all have the same playing field when it comes to developing esport, right? The two things I think if they can solve these two issues it'll help is one well actually one issue is on more of the businesses but the one issue is viewer like how you view the game right so like you you can go article after article after article of people going to events and it's really exciting but you can't watch your favorite team like most people like actually enjoy watching br esports through twitch streams because they can actually use the apps that they're making now to where you can watch just the team you want to watch like so if it and i saw one i hope my hope is they go VR route. Like I think in five, 10 years, what you'll be able to do is you will, instead of going to, I see that this is like totally ballpark left field, but I think esports will, instead of paying $200 for a seat in the call of duty league uh, stadium or a hundred dollars for a seat in overwatch or wherever you want to say, or BR, you're going to pay $25 to for a VR ticket. And you're going to be able to walk through the stadium. You're going to be able to view, like switch your view to your favorite team. Like as you're sitting in your virtual seat, quick question, quick question, because I, so, so I think, and I know that uh, companies like Nvidia. So I have a little bit of experience here. When we were running Inspire for H1PL, mm-hmm. um, we had to do a little bit. So we had a few ideas, um, and never came to fruition because the league failed before we could get there. But we had some ideas to do, like a Big Brother esque idea in the H1 Pro League house. For yeah, I remember us talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so I remember. So we had talked. So Philippe Zaid was the guy that we worked with. Um, to get the partnership deal with Growth Holdings, and get the house right. So mm-hmm. he also was the like bra- like brand ambassador for Nvidia in the Middle East because he's from Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And so I know that they were developing some dope cameras um, that like are coming out now, basically. Mm-hmm. That like think about this is the camera right as my fist here. Yeah. And like essentially like it projects 360 live all the time right and you can use that application in terms of not just esports but like um like like a real stadium you know like Mm -hmm. getting vr tickets in terms of like for a baseball game you know if you have that camera there you can get a vr ticket to watch a baseball game yeah so so i 100 percent agree with you i think that that is going to be a part of the future and that's going to be a revenue stream and that's definitely going to be a way to view i don't necessarily believe in the fucking like goggles i i just personally don't like it um, but I do believe that in terms of like, you know, like, like, um, Google maps, how you can like click in and like move around. Yeah. 
I think that would be cool. Like I, that's something that I would enjoy for sure. I think like if like, kind of VR without having to like put a headset on. Yeah, you could do that, and you also have the augmented reality stuff that people yep. do. Like the Baltimore Ravens just did it with their opening sequence. It's like trending on Twitter. It's for like yeah, if I know, you I, could, I know it's shit's cool. Yeah, like if you could have a hub like a Destiny hub, basically with augmented reality, where like maybe you're at the event, but you can also walk around and chat people virtually, or in your own room, you know, you can walk around like a hub type. There's just a lot of things they could do, and 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 kind of honing back into the original subject is if I think the developer, whatever developer it is, Epic Daybreak, whoever can um can hone in on how to do that like how to make the viewer ex- experience like good for the casual viewer i think that'll like put them over the top like if pubg can figure it out before epic does like in a really good way then i think pubg will go nuts like re- apex legends etc whoever figures out that conundrum of how do we view br esports when there's a hundred people to watch that's going to be the that i think that'll be a huge issue for anybody i think it's i think So I think Fortnite, in terms of how it's viewed, right, mm-hmm. kind of had a workaround, right, because they have a lot of individual streams for man- many of their events, right? Yep. So I think that's a little bit of a workaround, um, and I don't know who's going to be able to develop the first, like, true viewing system where you can go in and just, like, I think that's going to be cool. I think I think Fortnite's probably going to be the first to do it, just they're the best development team. I know that in H1Z1, it's, like, viewership and, like, how we were viewing and like what viewers could do in terms of seeing who at what time like we talked about that a lot right we wanted to improve h1z1 in terms of its viewing abilities uh tenfold Mm -hmm. because that's of course only going to help the viewership of a game and like help generate more fans for more teams um but i I don't know i i think i think you're right i think fortnite's gonna get i think well i think fortnite's gonna get there and i think it is gonna be part of the future because i don't know how much i believe in uh, and we'll get into this very shortly with our next topic, which is franchising. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much I believe in selling tickets to go see an eSport event yeah. in terms of, like, a regular season. Like, I think that oh, League of horrible. Legends Worlds is going to be money all day, baby, because, like, even that's some shit that I want to go to one day, you know? Like, a League of Worlds or a CSGO Major. You know, those are, like, iconic events that don't happen all the time. Um, but doing regular seasons, I mean, we'll, we can talk about that here now uh yep just just I, one thing I, for first uh, go ahead i was gonna say my closing comment though for the fortnite thing i want to bring this up just to make sure is like um fortnite the reason i also didn't put fortnite at the top because a lot of people that like that maybe watch this on youtube or something like that are like fortnite's like amazing i love fortnite is fortnite is bad for bad for orgs and bad for esports oriented people because like you see every big orgs leaving fortnite right now like hundred thieves left Fortnite. The only big word that stayed in Fortnite is FaZe, and that's because FaZe is literally strategically aligned for influencer marketing, influencer-based titles. Like they're literally carbon fit for the Fortnite like way of doing things. Anyway, but that's the other reason I didn't put it on. That was my last closing Wait, comment. Wait, really, about really that. quick, really quick. I'm reopening it. Okay. <laughs> because I think I think Fortnite, it's. I, mean, I don't know if I agree with that it's bad for organizations. I think that it's different for organizations. Like, I think, like, if you look at TSM, uh, and I'm pretty familiar with their business model and how they have made money with, uh, like, Myth, Hams, and yeah. Daquan, um, and they do very, very well in terms of having those guys be kind of like this hybrid influencer player. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I, I, you bring on think, content creators the, who are... That's the key. Yeah, that's the key. It's like, that's the... 
that's the thing for Fortnite. Like you get those hybrid kind of guys, and that's where you those are your big money guys that you're gonna generate a lot of profit from. But it's not like you can't look at it in terms of like H1 where you want like raw talent because it's it's bigger than that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I think it's different in my opinion. And just to answer Ink's question, uh, they didn't officially leave Fortnite. It's just they, most of their play like that original group before they had that did the kill challenge and everything. They're gone. Like. Those guys left. They still have content creators who play Fortnite, like play in yeah, the tournaments. I'm pretty sure they still have. They have players, but they don't have a set. Yeah, they don't have a set right? team like they did. Yeah, they're not doing like set activations in Fortnite like they were before. Um, but like you said, yeah, there's a way around it. Like I did a whole case study on influencers versus players. Like what's good, what's bad. Like how do you manage them? Like I literally did that for one of my classes. Like it wasn't all encompassing, but it was decent. Um, yeah, if your strategic plan kind of aligns with that, let's get a content creator who also is pretty good at Fortnite and he'll play in tournaments too. And let's manage that activation line and talking to endemics, non endemics. Like, there's a way you can do it. I'm just saying, like, for your car, for your stable, like, esports org, most of the time, like, you're either gonna have to change the way you do things as far as activation realm is or marketing realm is uh, concerned, or you just oh, gonna no, stay I, out of it. Yeah. Yeah, one thousand percent. I yeah. agree. Like, I think we we saw that very quickly in Fortnite because we were one of the first. Like, like uh, Glenn and I and and all of our team at Impact, we did I think a fantastic job. And, and I gotta bring up this guy if we're talking Fortnite, especially early on. My man's Fifty Torrens. If you guys don't know who Fifty is, yeah, um, he's kind of like the unsung hero of esports. I think in Fortnite, and I, the man will never get as much credit as he deserves. Um, he's like Le- he's had- like LeBron James's agent, except he's not known. It's basically how it yeah. works. Like, it's yes. unreal. Like, like I think I think we had the best like group of guys in terms of our ability to see what Fortnite was going to become and see the talent that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think immediately we understood, like, I mean, the first guy we we, we went after, like, big guy, was Myth, right? Yeah. And we were, like, something uncommon for us was let's put a guy on salary right away in this early game just because he had stream numbers, right? And he was only averaging, like, 100, 200 at the time. And it ended up, it would have been an amazing deal for us, but he ended up at TSM, which is amazing for him. Yeah, um, can't say no but, to but, that. But, like, yeah, we, we were right there, you know? And we understood that more than I think than anybody that Fortnite is different than every other esport like yep. and i think everybody that learned how to adapt quickly they made a lot of money and did very well um mm. in terms of fortnite but if you didn't know how to adapt to it quickly and on the fly then you got left behind and i think there's definitely a lot of orgs that were like that that kind of like saw the train pass by like the the prime time where they needed to get in and then ended up just like jumping on late and like kind of just floated and like they were just involved because they had to be involved because it's Fortnite, you know? But they yeah. never did anything or got much return from it. Yeah. It yeah, and even orgs even orgs like Hunter Thieves who are amazing in media, amazing in production, they didn't even catch on fast enough in my opinion. Like if you really go back and study how they did their activations of Fortnite, yeah, it made some, some pretty good YouTube content. Maybe they did some deals on the back end that they just didn't publicize. So that's, that's possible yeah. too. They probably did, but like – even a even an org like that that's established in media, they kind of missed the boat just a little bit on how like how do we approach this? How do we make this like really profitable for us? Yeah, like so. like in my in my opinion, TSM's model was absolutely amazing. It was mm-hmm. fundamentally perfect. It was it they they adapted in the most perfect way at the perfect time. They did phenomenal, in my opinion. Like yeah. I was close to it. I understood how they recruited, who they recruited. I was recruiting the same people, scouted the same people. Like. TSM's amazing at, at quietly good. being successful. Like, yes. they're, they're the picture yes. perfect, quiet, it's, like in League of Legends, 
in Fortnite, like they literally don't say anything. You never hear about them. But then when esports earnings come out or like you know revenue earnings come out, they're top. Every 10. time yeah. you look at the standings, tell me when you see a fucking TSM team at the bottom. You never. don't. Yeah, you exactly. just don't. Mm-hmm. And I but think they're that, not. They yeah. don't. You're right. They're they're not a super headline team. Like mm-hmm. they're just not. That's not who they are. But yeah, even they, when their league team was dominating, they still weren't headlining. Like they were I, just I, quietly to, being to good. To be honest, more than anything to me, that just says like bravo to their leadership and establishing like culture throughout that entire organization. Um, yeah, you're on their business from the outside team. looking in. To me, like that executive team is doing an absolutely phenomenal job. Yep, whoever's on their business development team is earning their paycheck for sure. Um, but yeah, so in closing, I think we're both on the same page, we, guys. We did not do this on purpose. Like H one hundred percent is our favorite BR, and then PUBG, as of is right now, is in the best current state in battle royale. I think we're both on the same page with that. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. I think let's you know kick Fortnite to the curb a little here because it's Fortnite. Yeah. Um, and so really, what's left? And I think it's PUBG. I think PUBG has a future. Like I said, I, you know. They might only have five percent of the land right now, but I think that's enough to, you know, establish roots, which they have done, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, which means that their future should be, you know, well in hand. Yep. Uh, and really quick, if we're gonna go PUBG, do you want to talk PUBG Mobile really quick? Yeah, I'll let you start that because I've researched it a little bit, and I've researched mobile esports as a whole. Like that's one of our topic plans is mobile esports. However, you've dove into this because of Guns of Boom and everything else, so it'd be nice for you to start this for sure. All right, here's here's what I propose, Sammy. So I think mm-hmm. I think mobile esports is a topic that we should cover deep, deep, deep and in, in deep dive into. Mm-hmm. I think for right now, let's like uh, I'll give a quick overview on PUBG Mobile, right? So yeah. like anything you think about PUBG, like three hundred thousand player base and whatever, and the viewership wise, especially in terms of esports, um, PUBG Mobile kills it. Like PUBG Mobile's legit. Like mm-hmm. it's here. I think mobile gaming's here. Um, I didn't believe in it at first, and I'll be the first to admit it. I think the first year and a half, I was like, I don't want to even touch mobiles, esports. Um, and yeah, when you back, mentioned I think, it, I was like, mm, dude, can we like not see, go down that road? Like, yeah, yeah. So I mm. thought, like, I thought for at least the first two years, like, mobile is not ready. I really yeah. believe that. I just didn't believe mobile was ready, like, to be involved in it and like keep credibility and everything. Um, but I thought like Guns of Boom was an opportunity and we needed to take it, so we did, and it, we kicked ass. And, I, and we can talk about that more. I think PUBG Mobile though keeps like it's another area for PUBG that in terms of BR puts it well above Apex. Like, like yep. that PUBG Mobile changes the game for me. Like it's not it's not Apex and, and PUBG anymore. It's it's definitely there's a difference. Yeah, and PUBG's well well Ever. ahead. So. And for anyone thinking we're crazy because you don't know mobile esports at all, I literally just pulled it up because I remember reading this article. Esports Insider two weeks ago came out with a article talking about PUBG Mobile. And it's changing from one level, like one region to four. In 2020, PUBG Corp is doing like a huge push. So PUBG, like PUBG Mobile is their main focus. It's gonna have a, at least a five million dollar prize pool, which is huge for a mobile esport. That's huge. Um, and they it said has South any mobile esport ever had a five million dollar prize pool, and even a million I mean, not even not even Guns of Boom, who was huge from the developers. It was half a million. Yeah. So yeah, and they said Southeast Asia will be the main region of focus. Obviously, it makes total sense for that. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be. It says four levels. It's gonna be divided into four levels slash regions instead of one that you saw in 2019. So just for reference for anybody that thinks we're crazy about talking about like cell phone esports in the best in the best way of putting it. Um, but yeah, the only thing, and we'll get into this when we do the thing, is I still think it's really hard to sell 
a guy sitting on his phone like this getting hype as shit. I don't care how much of a hype beast okay. you are. It's okay, hard, gonna, man. So, so, it's so I hard. Think, I think it was it was difficult for me at first, and I agree with that because like the first thing I did with any esport was I wanted to see the production quality. Yeah. Um, and like just give it an eye test, like what did I think about it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that for a really long time, and then like Guns of Boom switched my mind, and I might be biased here. But like I enjoyed watching our Guns of Boom roster. Oh yeah, like, I, I enjoyed like, watching. Like the hype as shit, like with Venom with his glasses. Like even though it was a phone, like, like at that point the phone disappeared for me. It didn't matter like what they were playing on. It was competition like at its foundation, at its core, and that was dope as fuck to me. And yeah. that's why I think like that's what kind of switched the gear for me. Where I'm like, yeah, mobile esports is for real. It's gonna be here, and it has a future, and maybe a future that is like. We may be just seeing like the tail of an elephant right now. I think that's what we're seeing with Guns of Boom, and that's what we're seeing with PUBG Mobile and things like that, or like even Call of Duty uh, Mobile now. Like, I think pub like mobile esports could possibly be. No, I'm not gonna say it's gonna be bigger than esports, but I think I think it has a huge, huge ceiling. Just yeah, and this is definitely a topic we should talk about a different day because there's so many stuff yeah, I can bring up like as far as like marketing and how you literally can get a complete demographic of your player base in like two seconds because every time you download the game you give the game permissions to access your information on your phone like there's so many things from a marketing there's, and business perspective that you don't get on consoles and you don't get on computers um but yeah we'll talk about that on a different day that's literally like a one podcast topic yeah 100 percent. Um, yeah and I, I think this next one might this next this next topic let's jump into it because i think it could also be it so we uh we know we're 40 minutes in let's rock because this is going to be fun i got a lot to say here oh god is franchising good for esports common Uh, discussion (laughs) yeah so do you want to start it off sam and then I'll, i'll i'll jump off after you okay so in a nutshell i'm gonna summarize it in one sense it depends on the esport please depend on the esport what how does it depend on the esports? So a couple things that play in a factor on what makes franchising good. Um, is the game made tailored for an esport? I think is a huge thing. It cannot be casual based to me. Um, I think it has to be something like Overwatch League that is directed to be an esport. Right, so, like that's just me. So let, let, let's let's dive a little bit into that first one, right? Because okay. because I think I I let, let's dive into it. I don't okay. know if I 100% agree, but let's dive into it. So I think what you're describing here is essentially um so if i asked you the let's let's see is franchising a good idea for a game like fortnite no okay is franchising a good idea for a game like call of duty no okay so in it's in those two games of development right what are they developed as casual games casual casual players yep yeah and i I think that makes it super tough to Mm -hmm. transition that into esports and then further transition that into an esports league that's going to last a very long time, right? Yep. And so that's kind of what you're pointing out. So I just wanted to dive into that a little bit, and then yeah, you go ahead. The re- and the reason I'm saying this, so I'm going to try to say this without contradicting myself, because if I don't say it the right way, it's going to sound contradicting. So you have regular sports. You have basketball, baseball, football. Yes, they are casual, but a casual a person who goes and shoots by himself 
and shoots free throws and screws around does not pay $80 to go watch the Cleveland Cavaliers play. He is not going to do it. The people that do do that are competitive people, people who play in intramural leagues, people who played in college, high school, whatever. Like your casual fan typically does not pay ticket prices to go watch a game. They're not going to travel to a city to go watch a game. It's just how it is. So like the competitive aspect, the competitive people is what sells. So like that's why I'm saying that you need a competitive game that is competitive from a casual and a competitive base in order to transform that into a franchise league where you have people buying tickets, you have people buying merchandise, you have people doing all this stuff. That's why Call of Duty, in my opinion, is going to tank. And we talked about this before the podcast, and I know you said this was a super like, like drastic thing to say, but I think Call of Duty is going to tank the same way that H1 did. It's going to take longer. I don't think players are going to become unpaid like they were in H1, sadly. But I do think, I do not think Call of Duty will be a thing like I don't think that league will be the same thing or grow five years from now. Maybe I'll eat my words, but that's just how I am. I don't think so, it's set up right. The dev support's not good. The competitiveness is horrible. The game changes every year. There's just so many things about it that make it a terrible franchise esport. That's just me. Sam, are you ready for this? Yeah. I'm coming for your head right now. <laughs> All right? All right. You are out of your damn mind. There's no way, My dude. friend, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Call of Duty has been around for how long? 11 years, 10 years, decade. Around that time, decade. What other games have done that? Maybe Halo? League? Fuck, come on, Halo? Halo's Halo? been 10 years? It's been on, 10 Sam. years? I'm pretty sure it's come close. On, Sammy. League is, all right, as, we're if we're talking, if we're talking, talking League of Legends, okay? League of Legends is the only one. The League. only one. League and World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. No, just kidding. It's not an eSport. It's a game. <laughs> oh, okay? I, I, you're going to piss some people off saying... too damn long. It's not... Mm. It is not going to... Man, it's going to die like H1? The game's no not way. going to die. The league is going to die. The league is going the to die. If the game... You can't have one without the other, in my opinion. I, I, I don't think the league dies without the game dying, and I don't see the game dying, so I don't think the league's going to die. Now, I'll be the first to admit here, I don't know how I felt about the Overwatch League when it started, right? I did not think that it was going to be extraordinarily successful. I didn't, like, say that it was going to be a complete disaster and failure and dumpster fucking fire, but I thought it was going to be, like, a little shaky. I, di I didn't think it was going to be great. I, I still don't love watching Overwatch, um, and we'll get into the Overwatch franchise and, and, and the Overwatch League in a little bit. Um, but Call of Duty, to me, is just... I don't know. I, I think I think it's gonna. I think we're we're talking about the same development people, right? In terms of the league. Yeah, we are. That's and, even that's the even worse part. Don't get me started about that. Keep going there. Okay. Going. So we're talking about the same people. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're talking about the people that, although they we may see things that they can improve on, and I'm sure you'll you'll get into that very shortly here. Oh, yeah. I think that in a perfect world yeah let's get after their ass but they're also right now it's not a perfect world and they're the best people with the best experience in esports to do it and so if i had to trust somebody to do it um after what they kind of seeing what they've done with the overwatch league if, i don't know if i'm gonna ever say i'm comfortable with it or i feel like confident in it but i think it has a future i, I think i think it's, it's gonna be here to stay i think there's a lot of money behind it i i just don't see I don't. I don't see them fucking get up like 
what happened with H1Z1. I, I, I can't see that level of collapse happening. Well, yeah, high, high, no one can do what high res does. They yeah, have no, a special no talent. Ever, and, I, and, and, and I understand what you're, what you're saying is never like that's going to happen again because it just won't. It, it, hopefully, yeah. it won't. So um, because nobody will self-destruct in that in that way, mm-hmm. but um, I just I think Call of Duty, I, I I think it's gonna it's gonna be here for a long time. I I think we have another at least decade in of Call of Duty at a tier one level with the franchise league. Okay, so without going back and forth for the next hour and a half, because I could like this is gonna it would get bad. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I will whittle it down to two reasons that if they change, I will tell you I'm wrong, but I don't think they're going to because they never have been, they, this has never been a thing since Black Ops 2. Okay. Two things. One, here's, so here's the, I don't remember the, I'm not going to try to sound smart. Here's the difference. I'm just going to try to add a word there. Here's the difference between Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, even though they're made by this, not made by the same person, but have the same overarching umbrella, which is Activision Blizzard, even yep. though Blizzard's, isn't Blizzard leaving? Anyway, um, Overwatch came directly from Blizzard. There's no middleman. There's no developer middleman. Like, they're not the middleman. They control it. They care about it. Like, they are making all the decisions, right? Whereas Call of Duty has developers who have signed agreements with Activision Blizzard, but they obviously either A, don't give a shit about what Activision Blizzard wants to do, or B, there's there's something wrong. Because, like... The reason Overwatch League worked is because Overwatch was made to be a competitive game. Activision step by step did the right things in order to, to grow that league. Like, I know you've played. I don't have you played Modern Warfare a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, I played it a lot when it first came out. Now I want to throw my controller every time I play it. Um, <laughs> that game is so terrible from a competitive. So terrible. The spawns like just to, oh, I could go over this for twenty minutes. The spawns like I've never I've, had a I've played competitive. I've heard that it's tough. Yeah, I've played competitive Call of Duty. Like I'm not a pro, but I've been to events. I've played in events in four different CODs. I've never been. You understand played a, the fundamentals. Yeah, of spawn I've never locations in terms of how people die and where the, your position yep, affects. I've never died in a Call of Duty game and spawned in the hill. Like so, <laughs> I literally was anchoring and I got killed and I was like, "Oh, we just fuck, we just lost spawns." Like you do it every other single Call of Duty. No, I spawned in the hill with my teammate. Like just stuff like that. Like the every everything about it is not competitive. So like, there's no, there's, I, I there's think, obviously okay. no dev support for the esports side of things. If there was, the game would be different than it is right now. Like that's the way I look at so, it. So so I'll, I'll I'll do. So I think there's merit to to your point here because I think and I'll conclude this a little bit this very small part of the topic yeah. here at least in my in my opinion yeah um I think there's a 100% merit in there's a big difference when your developer and your league are the same mm-hmm. and then when they're separate even though like like when it's not like H1PL, right? We had a good relate. Like the pro league had a good relationship with Daybreak, yeah. but they weren't in the same building. They weren't the same entity. They weren't one. It was two separate companies working together, right, yeah. simultaneously, and that dynamic was very difficult to manage. Um, and it's it's very different than being in house. So I, I understand that, and I understand that Call of Duty, um, since the dawn of time, has never gave one f about uh, developing a competitive title. And Overwatch, from the very start, was developed as a competitive title and nothing else, right? Um, so maybe not nothing else, but it was developed as a competitive title, the same way like CSGO was. Yep. Uh, 
and League of Legends and Dota 2, which are the other massively successful titles. So I, I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of merit there, and I agree. Um, I just think Call of Duty, in a little bit, a little bit, I think, transcends gaming and community, too. A little bit, too. Well, that's the thing. Like, I can't, you can't, I, I'm not, this isn't me just shitting on the developers, right? Like, they've made the number yeah. one selling game the last 10 years. Like, if I was in their case, like, as a marketer, like, I would, be, like, if I had this little, if I had Crimsix and freaking whatever little player being like, please make our game better, like, I'd be like, bitch, look at my hundreds I have in my hand. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't I'm, care. Like, we, we've talked about that too. You before. see this mansion I'm saying in? Like, I don't care. Like, they're making so much money. You can't blame them for wanting to try to, like, why would they even take the chance of making a high skill gap? high competitive game when they literally sell out every like even a bad mm -hmm. year they're still the number one selling game so you can't blame the developers for doing what they're doing i don't blame them like i probably do and, the same and, thing and, and i don't either because like, like i said earlier in my opinion if the game has players the league will be okay that that's my opinion and the way that they do things generates players and that's the precursor to having a good league right and that was the fundamental flaw with h1z1 we we, there was a league without the precursor that is needed, which is player base, which generates like concurrent fans that come back week to week and generate revenue. H1Z1 yeah. didn't have that. That caused it to fail, in my opinion, more than anything else. So I think that as long as, as their developers keep a player base, the league will be okay. I think it'll be okay, and that's a good point you brought up because, again, in that Burge article when they were talking about PUBG, he said, like, the main focus they wanted with PUBG is to make a community and make a player base. Like, that was their – that was – they knew they were going to do esports from day one of making that game, yep. but they also knew, like, if we don't make a player base, we're just going to flop because something else mm -hmm. is going to come out better, take our players, and we're going to be screwed. So, like, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I – I don't know. The, the other thing that's going to have to change is player salaries are going to have to go down. Like, I don't think they're good. I know now since it's franchised, they technically have like a, like a minimum salary count. And if it's anywhere near yeah. what other franchise leagues are, it's probably around 50 K maybe more. I think it's 50 K, but like, I mean, if you have that's a seven, fair. if you have a seven person team and they're all getting minimum salary, I mean, I, I'm not good at math. It's a quarter of a million dollars a year, just in player salaries. That's not counting food and all the costs that come with that. They're probably spending right now. I mean, each team's I mean, spending I, close I, to a million yeah, a year. Direct experience with yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. With NPL, I mean, we were we had minimum salary caps for every player at fifty. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's costly. Yeah, it <laughs> is. And I and again, I think it's good. Like you said, I think the biggest factor is is developer also the publisher who's also the game maker. Like that's why Riot does so well with League. That's why Overwatch does so well with Activision Blizzard because there's no middleman. Like that, those two games were made to be high skill gap games. They developed their player base off high skill gap competitive players. Like yep. I know a lot of people that don't play League because they say it would take too long to learn. Like I'm only a silver like four. I don't care. I'm still trash. Yeah. But like I enjoy competitive games, but I can't get other people to play it because they're like it's it's too high. I do. I don't. I don't feel like learning all that crap. Like so. I understand Call of Duty has the player so base for So we're talking really there. quick. So player base for League of Legends, right? Yeah. So I think although it's a tough game to understand, I actually think what 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 League of Legends and Dota 2 benefit more than anything else, in my opinion, is that their games are not taxing on the actual hardware and software that the consumer needs to run their games. Yep. And I think that plagued H1Z1. Like H1Z1, you needed a like a real gaming monster, basically, to really have a shot at being anything decent, right? 
Like, if you didn't have anything decent, people with decent shit were going to destroy you. Um, but League of Legends, like, you could run it off a laptop, you know? Like, exactly. you can have a standard computer that everybody will have. You don't need to be, like, a hardcore gamer to have it, and you'll have access to the game. And I think that is what has, they've benefited more than anything else. And I think that's kind of the same thing with console, because console's skill gap, I think, is very low at the start. Um, and it's just, like, it's easy. But, I mean... It's a little different because you have to go buy the console. So yeah, but the price difference is much less than a computer. Mm-hmm. And I, I so it's agree. just more accessible, is what I mean. And this is this is a random, not random article, but just to prove a point about player base a little bit is like in 2017, player base in North America because we're not even going to get in Asia because obviously League completely dominates that. Um, just in North America alone, the player base was actually split right down the middle between all the United. They did it by state player base league had this had a bet more player base in call of duty in 25 out of 50 states so that i don't know what how they got those metrics i'm assuming they just did concurrent players um leagues also pc while call of duty at the time was just console so but yeah do you think do you think that could ever change what league pc or call, mm-hmm. call, call, duty call, PC? call of duty yeah no, I don't think it'll ever change. I hope I'm glad that was the one change they did not make this year. One thing I think they definitely should do um, is they should make it to where it's on PC so it runs better. Like Karma, Karma talked about that a ton. He's like, "Why aren't we playing on PCs with controllers?" She's like, "The optimization's mm-hmm. better, you know, like react, like it reacts, but like everything's just better to have it." That's what the 2K League did. NBA 2K is played on yeah, PCs. That's, yeah, I, that's kind of what i could see them doing in the future i don't know like i don't know if the massive player base will ever be pc but competitive wise i could see them playing with controllers off yeah. of pc because yeah. it's, if it's better optimized and develop, development is good then that only enhances the competitive environment of the game so i think that can only help them yeah i agree i don't think it's like a rainbow six type situation where like Rainbow Six was early enough in its life cycle to where you could switch to PC and not lose player base because players either A, adapted, or B, it just wasn't enough player base to where it killed the game. If you switch to PC now, from an eSports standpoint, it's going to kill the game because you're literally going to have 80% of the... Like, I think there's a couple players that are really good on computer titles. Like, Scumpy's actually ridiculously good at computer titles. Karma's really good. So you have think, some guys who could so let's, transfer, but it's Let's harder. really quick talk, because I have experience with this, with Rainbow Six, their development in Ubisoft, because yeah. I think... I think what they did is uh, very underrated as well in terms of their uh, development of their esport ecosystem mm-hmm. and their market. Because so let's let's go all the way back because this is when I played. Um, you had two major leagues and a pro league is what it was called. So you had mm-hmm. two major leagues, one in Xbox, one in PS4. I played on the PS4 one, and then there was a pro league, which is what we see today um, yep. in PC. That was how it was in like year one and two, um, and then it transitioned to PC only. But let me tell you what that like making that decision for them, like it had a lot of negative side effects like early early on because mm-hmm. I I think in my opinion when they switched from the three to just one, their esport viewership and their just like general like momentum moving forward definitely took a decline. It dropped. And I think they knew that and they were okay with that because yeah. they were playing the long game. And they knew, like, this is going to be long-term PC, like, let's get it done. And we're okay with taking the little hit early for the long-term gain. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, nobody really talks about that because, like, you would have to, like, you have to have my experience to just be there and understand what they did. Yeah. Uh, 
but I thought that was super cool. And 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 I'll be honest, when they first went to PC only, I thought that could possibly kill Rainbow Six. I I didn't believe in it. Like the first year of, of uh, Impact Gaming, mm. we never had a Rainbow Six team. We never touched Rainbow Six because yeah. I thought the game was like it was a little tier five. Like it wasn't even an esport. Like I thought going to PC killed the game, but really it didn't. That that so they took a dip. Yes, for a year or two. That was like seventeen, eighteen or really 17 for a year, and then it, it popped back up, and they did very, very well and very successful with their long-term plan of PC. So I think, like, just giving them a quick shout-out, good shit, Ubisoft, because I think they did very well in terms of that. And I think, honestly, this is my opinion, I think I think the way that they support teams mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Like, I wanted us in, in Rainbow Six. Yeah, so with, like, the skin on. packs and stuff like that yeah, they're coming out with. So it's, it's yeah. because what people don't understand, people don't know the numbers, like, Mm-hmm. It's hard to make money in esports. Like it's so this it's the wild wild effing west, okay? It's early. It's hard to generate revenue and then create profit. Yep. It's hard. I mean so there's only have, what two esports organizations tier 1 that are making money right now technically. There's so, not a lot. And yeah. so I think I think that's why franchising is so important is because like it makes this wild wild west a little bit more formal, a little more structured in terms of how these teams and franchises can generate revenue over time and consistently mm-hmm. because like before the franchises like you were just on your own like go get sponsor deals. Good luck. Yeah. That was it. So the franchise leagues are the future, and I think like so really quick again, what Ubisoft does. If you're not familiar with it, they they have a bunch of skin packs and they support mm-hmm. their teams in terms of revenue share, which is so important for esports teams because you're kind of scratching every little surface you can to like just scrap pennies everywhere you can because that's just the ecosystem for most teams now, at least today. Um, and so what they've done, I think. I think there's no reason why we don't see a franchise system with Ubisoft with Rainbow Six in the future. I think I think their ceiling is still up and up and up. Um, I didn't think that a, a slow tactical paced game like that would take off, but it did, um, and and I love it and I'm biased and I think they're gonna have a future. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think and we we talked about this more on Impact. I think Rainbow is a tier one esport. One because of its oh I agree. One because of all the avenues you can do and all the different types of things you can do in order to make money or just like have a successful brand, the dev support and also I don't I still don't think personally any org has actually like fully exploited the amount no. of ROE and ROI. Really ROE the ROE the return of engagement if anyone know ROE is sorry return of engagement you can get through that because that is a cult following and I still don't think any org is like. Phase kind of did in Latin America and a couple other orgs, but like I don't think any org NA no, definitely. I, I think I think I think has taken advantage of it. Reciprocity does okay. I think EG does well. Space Station's not bad either. Yeah, Space Station does good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I I agree that like I think if we were to like flashback to 2018, if we had the capital to run a second Inspire mm-hmm. with Rainbow Six, I think we could have we could have tr- like changed that game. I think we I think we could have we could have been the number one favorite team in Rainbow Six for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and, and to give someone some people context, obviously it's way higher now. But in 2018, early 2018, like before I got on Impact, um, Pro League teams were making, like the top Pro League team, which I won't say a name, was making around 2K a month. I mean, that was like number one. That was a team that, like that org, like just handed money out like they were way higher than yeah else. that was that was well above market average at yeah the time. Like, you could easily was, get a team that was like me that was like a like 
think about a big organization going in and sweeping the very best team and not really caring what they were spending because they were getting the very best. That's what the 2K a month was back then. It, that was not market. Yeah, you could you could get a pro league team in early 2018 if you played your cards right and kind of had some good connections for like 250 a player. I'd say like it wasn't a full salary. It was just like yeah, here's, a, you, here's a stipend. Recru- yeah, if you were good at recruiting, you could you could do that. Yeah, but yeah, so to five hundred dollars stipends. Mm-hmm. So to get yeah. so go back to the original topic a little bit. Yes. I think franchising is good for esports and certain competitive based titles like Overwatch League and stuff like that. But for for me, for Call of Duty, it's not good for it. Um, And then just my final closing point is just from a, I think the one point of contention you hear, and you hear this with Hector on his podcast, uh, Optic Hex, or not Optic Hex anymore, NRG. um, He talked about how like esports is borderless. Like there's, it shouldn't be co-located to one region and i do agree with that at a base but i also think from a business standpoint that's the best of both worlds like this is why i think franchising is good in the right sense is like i can now take a region and do activations in that city like uh the pittsburgh knights are actually if you ever go on a podcast a big esports podcast and hear them talk hear their owner he's i think he's their owner talk about it's someone from their staff talk to the big esports guy about how like how what they're doing activation wise in their city, like with the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's amazing. So mm-hmm. like if you can levy that and do it both activations in your city and activations worldwide because you have that ability to do that because esports is borderless, if you can do it right, then I think it's really good for it. But as far yeah, as title I, specific, it has to be competitive. I'm a I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I mean I wanted to partner impact gaming with the soon to be Las Vegas Raiders to do that specific thing, you yeah, know, exactly. to do community engagements to make this city ours. Mm-hmm. And so I think like what the Pittsburgh Knights are doing mm-hmm. uh, is a good like blueprint for a lot of future people to follow. And I think many, many will. Like you already see a ton of teams that are now owned by sports teams mm-hmm. or you know closely related to them and doing community activations because you get to do that with esports. Yeah, like I, I agree somewhat with Hex in terms of like esports is worldwide, uh, but I think you definitely need to keep regions different and separate because it, they're different and separate. I think, I think uh, get like I think we should talk, Sammy. I think next week let's get into franchising in terms of a worldwide and global aspect because I think right now mm-hmm. we've done a, a good job at covering some of the North American aspects. Yeah, but I think when we're talking esports, I mean when you go to Europe and you go to the, especially Asia. It is a it is insanely different. I mean, and you can still get out military and service the, for playing video games and in the Asia. Ecos, and the ecosystem of mm-hmm. those regions are completely different. Like what I've described in this in this podcast in this episode is a great description of what it's like to be a North American organization today. Yeah, most of our opinions have been the purview of North American. As soon as, yeah. you, as soon as you go to Europe, as soon as you go to Asia, and you look at those franchises, and you look at those teams, and you look at the ecosystem and markets that are around them, mm-hmm. and the environments they're working in, it's very different, and there's a lot more money being pushed around in those markets. Yep, yep. There's a reason why you've seen... I mean, theirs kind of didn't work out well. That's what, like the Pittsburgh Knights. G2 is a big proponent of like worldwide activations um optic at the time before they got bought out were a part of worldwide activations activate activations so like yeah we're we've been speaking through the purview of na basically we've kind of touched on a little bit but others but mostly na so to talk about worldwide would definitely be something i'd want to talk about for sure yeah i think i'm definitely down for next week let's let's dive deep into it let's let's go all over franchises i want to talk about franchises in every single esport around the globe i think there's a ton for us to cover and a ton that we can kind of give insight on Mm -hmm. um even if it's from the outside looking in at especially like the apac region and those franchises and teams i think we can we can find a lot and be able to 
uh, draw some very good and educated conclusions that I think a lot of people would like to hear. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I guess that that's kind of the concluding comment for, for what we want to talk about here. Just to sum it up for anyone just coming in, started talking about battle route esports. Me and Anthony are both on the same page with that. Our favorite was H1. And I, we, we think currently cause Fortnite, we kind of put it in its own category. Uh, PUBG is kind of like on the best road for success when it comes to esports or battle route esports. Um, we talked about that a lot and talked about Fortnite as a whole. Uh, so if you want to check this out at YouTube, watching it, please, we're going to be uploading it after this. Uh, we talked about that, and then we moved into franchise and esports. Kind of went on a tangent with Call of Duty, um, but basically towards the end of it, we basically decided we want to talk more about it later because it's just so much more stuff you can go into. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's a it's a it's a very packed topic, and I think we got a lot more to add, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of personal experience too to add because we were in the first battle royale league for H one C one. So yeah. I think I think we should take a deep dive into it. Um, but for me, thank you guys for listening to the Impact Podcast. It's been a great time. I've enjoyed it. My name is Anthony Marquez. All right. See you guys. Have a good night.